0: Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word.
1: You would really consider where you need prayer and how you need to be praying for the people around you and how even we need to take it in different. When I see someone struggling, I don't want to kick someone when they're down, right? I don't want to be the one, it's a believer. Believer messes up, you know, I don't want to be there saying, man, you shouldn't have done that, man. <laughs> kick you one more time. You know, it's like, well, what do we do for somebody, right? You're struggling, you're battling, people come confessing sin. I don't want to beat you up verbally. Like, Let's pray. Let's cry out to the Lord. God, God needs to intervene.
0: Prayer is powerful, and Pastor Bill is going to talk about this with you in his message today. He'll share how prayer is the answer to pretty much every problem you can come up with. If someone comes to you with a sin they need help with, take it to the Lord, pray for them and encourage them as they seek forgiveness from God and a change to their lifestyle. And when you need the same thing, ask someone to pray for you. It may seem like a simple thing to do, but prayer changes everything. Now here's Pastor Bill in the book of Ephesians chapter three for today's edition of A Transforming Word.
1: Ephesians chapter three, we covered the first half of it last week. You know, it it, it was kind of a parenthetical, you know, Paul finished chapter two, and it was all about how God was unifying the Jew and the Gentile and making making us all to be one church. And then as the beginning of chapter three starts off with this phrase, for this reason, which points back to everything we just looked at in chapter two. And then again, today, the first verse we're going to look at is verse 14. It's the same phrase it says, for this reason, he's still talking about because of what God is doing, because God is unifying Jew and Gentile, because God is making, you know, this this large group, one church. Paul's going to say that for these reasons, he's going to tell us how he began to pray. Uh, and I want you to listen for two things. God ministered to me in two different ways. as I was preparing this and reading over it. Uh, one uh, for me as a pastor, as a leader, I'm obviously looking at another pastor and his prayer life, and what he's praying for the people that he's ministering to, and what he's how he's praying for them. And the Lord really spoke to my heart that be praying for people, you know, things that you're seeing in people's lives. Pray for, pray for them. And this is even in the chapter we're learning things that we should pray for. This is what I should pray for someone that that looks like they're lacking, looks like they're fleshing out, looks like they're battling in the. This is what you pray for them, and so we'll see that as we go through it. But also. As I look at what Paul is praying for the believers, um, it speaks to me, too. Paul is saying, look, there are things that God has made available to you that are believers. I want you guys to take full advantage of all of it. I don't want you to fall short of anything God has made available. He's praying that they would have all that God has made available. And so as we read his prayer, I pray in two ways. One, that you would look and maybe there are people that you need to be praying these things for. May God stir us up and make us a praying church. Make us praying Christians. Um, But also, as you read these things, you may hear things that you say, I I need prayer for that. I need to become more like this. May God do both in our lives. And so, look at chapter 3, starting in verse 14. Paul says, For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. And so, first of all, he points out, I said, For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord, Jesus Christ. And for you guys that were here a couple of weeks ago, we were in Daniel on Wednesday night and we were looking at Daniel and how, you know, they were trying to find something against Daniel and they couldn't find anything against him. He was such a man of God that they couldn't find any blemish in his character or life. And they said, you know what? If we're going to get something against Daniel, we're going to have to find something against his God. And so they made a decree. They got the king to sign a decree that said, if anybody prays to anybody but you, king, they'll be thrown into the lion's den. And it says when Daniel knew this. So when Daniel knew that the decree had been signed that if you get caught praying to anybody else other than the king, you're going to go, throw, you'll be thrown to the lion's den. Daniel went home, opened up his windows and prayed three times a day like he normally would do. And it says that he knelt before the Lord. And so we that night we spent time on our knees just kneeling before the Lord. And I want to just say this. You can pray to God in any posture, right? You can stand and pray, walk and pray, sit and pray, drive and pray. You know, close your eyes. You know, you can lay on your face, prostrate, lay on your back. You can kneel. And there is there's no you know, there's no posture that you can't pray in. Uh, I believe that the most important thing is a posture of our hearts, that our hearts be bowed down, that our hearts be humble before the Lord. But I do think it's a healthy thing from time to time to, to put your body in where your heart is, to go ahead and bow down before the Lord. And I don't know, maybe you haven't got on your knees and prayed. It's a good thing to do. Uh It's, it's a healthy thing to do to take time where I'm just going to bow down before the Lord on my knees, on my face, whatever that looks like. And so he says, for this reason, I bow my knees to the father of our Lord Jesus Christ, verse 15, from, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. And I want you to look at as Paul is praying for the church, he's he's saying the church is in heaven already. The church is down here on earth. the The whole family of God I'm praying for the whole thing. And I just want us to have a big vision when we think about the church. We we that, that we wouldn't think about our little group here on the corner of 62nd and LaBrea. Right. We're part of the church, but we're just a little part. Right. There are gatherings all over this town, all over the world of believers. Some churches can kind of have a little small mentality. You know, we're Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Calvary Chapel is not the only church. Amen. Uh, there's all kinds of Christians and other groups and different things. And so we have to be mindful of that, that the church is, is huge and that I wouldn't be that I wouldn't kind of look at. Well, the people that I know that do it like I do it, that this is the church. Now, there's some people that do it the way I don't do it. You know, go to another country and you're going to find that there's some things that are different, but they love in Jesus. I mean, they love the Lord. Just there'd be little nuances, little different things that, that aren't that big of a deal. And so he says, I'm praying for the, the, the whole church, those that have gone before us, those that are left behind. And so I challenge us to be that kind of Christian that recognizes, do you believe that Jesus Christ is God, that he died on the cross for your sins, that he rose from the grave, he's coming back again. And we may differ on some other stuff. But we're believing the same thing. We're believing that that's the only way to be saved. And so he's, I'm praying for the whole church, bound on my knees, the whole family in heaven and on earth. And again, he calls it a family. And I want you to consider this, that, that we're part of God's family. Uh, we all just celebrated Thanksgiving, right? So some of you guys, maybe it was a wonderful family thing and you saw everybody you loved and was like, yay, family. But some of you guys, maybe not. Maybe some of you guys had another experience, or it's family. And you're the people you got to be around. And who knows? Whatever it is, right? Family can kind of be like that, right? Just because you got the same blood running through you don't mean that you, you love each other. That y'all see eye to eye. That everything is the way it's supposed to be. That people aren't coming in with offenses and differences and challenges and whatnot. Well, the family of God can be like that too. Anybody ever been offended by somebody that was a Christian? It's, it's possible. We do that to each other. And we'll learn as we go through Paul's prayer that right. it's still family though. Right. We're going to be in heaven together. God, I believe, will speak to us even today about how how to manage those things. It's inevitable. We're so different. Uh, We're made up different. But we're God because because the blood of Christ has washed me and the blood of Christ has washed you. We're family. We're family now. We got the same heavenly dad and God wants there to be a unity about how we get along. Um, let's move on now. Look at verse 16. This is the first quest that Paul makes for them. He says that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. And so the first thing Paul prays for these believers is that God would strengthen them through his spirit in the inner man. And so here's what I want you to consider as you're as you dwell among other believers and you're you're with people. You're going to see believers that are at times weak. we're going to see each other blow it. Sometimes we're going to see each other mess up sometimes. And Paul's looking at this church that God loves that Jesus shed his blood for. These are Christians. And he's saying, God, the first thing on my heart to pray for them you would strengthen them. It's God that you would give them your strength according to the riches of his glory, right? And so I want you to consider that. He said the, the resource for the strength that they're gonna get is God's unlimited resources according to the riches of his glory, right? There's no limit on what God can make available to someone, what God can pour into someone. That, that's a hint in two ways. One, when I'm praying for someone, I'm praying, there's a God that has limitless resources. I'm asking him to do it. But, the, but it should remind you and me that we should be asking God. God's, God's resources are unlimited, right? There's, he can't, there's nothing he can't do if I would yield to him. And so he's, he's praying that God would grant them according to the riches of his glory, that they would be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. And I think sometimes when we look at each other, we look at people in the body and we'll see people struggle. We'll see people fall. We'll see people fail. Here's what we don't want to do. And, and I guess I should make this distinction. There are people that are not Christians, and so they're living in whatever sins they're living in. There are people that belong to the Lord, but they battle and they struggle. Maybe they're weak. They're blowing it. Uh, there are two different categories. The, the greatest way I would distinguish these categories is those that don't belong to the Lord are not battling with sin. They're just living in it. They need Jesus. There are people that know the Lord. They want to do the right thing. And they're bummed when they blow it. They belong to the Lord, but they're weak. There's some weakness. There's some issue that they're battling and they're not winning all the time. And sometimes they're failing in public. And so what do we do for them? Paul said, I'm praying. I'm praying for you that God would strengthen you with his might through his spirit in your inner man. You need strength. You're weak. And we know that in Scripture. There have been other times like Peter. Peter said Peter wanted to honor God. Right, he wanted to do the right thing. I believe when Peter told Jesus, "Man, Jesus, if all of them deny you, if all of them, I, I won't. I'm, I'll, I'll die with you. I'll go to jail with you." I believe Peter one hundred percent meant that. That that's what, according to his heart. That's who he was. God, I'll stand with you. No way I would deny you until the till he saw how brutally they took Jesus away and then they came and you know jesus had tried to prepare him remember when jesus told him he said peter satan desires to sift you like wheat you need to watch and pray with me for an hour and jesus told peter this he says the spirit indeed is willing but what flesh is weak your spirit that's alive inside you wants to do the right thing peter but your flesh is weak how do how do i get my spirit to override my flesh you need to come pray but peter did what he went night night yeah he fell asleep so he didn't pray and so when the rubber when when the when the when the battle came and they came he saw how they took jesus away Uh, that would have put fear in any man even even peter when they came to take jesus away though what did peter do he jumped up cut the dude's ear off most believe that he was trying to cut his head off but he got the ear you know and jesus healed the guy's ear so in that act I believe that at least Peter was demonstrating that, you know, according to my flesh, I was willing to jump out there for the Lord. You know, they were just coming to take Jesus, you know, while I was on duty. You know, John was over here laying on his bosom. These guys over here, you know, all comfortable. Peter did something about it. But when it came down to it and they asked him, hey, you were with him. What did he say? Oh, he denied him three times. He was bummed that he did that. Um, what did he need? He needed strength in the inner man that he didn't have. And Jesus had told him how to get it. He needed to pray. So if you're battling with your flesh, if you're if you find that man the, the person I want to be and the person I keep being not the same person in my heart, I wanted to give this response. But then when they said this to me that way, I gave this response. Right. And I'm, I'm, I'm this is happening on a regular basis. You need strength in the inner man and you get it through prayer. And so one thing that we should do, we can do that for ourselves, first of all. But one thing we want to do for other people is be praying for them. Pray for people that you see struggling. People that you see, they're having a hard time. They're not getting it yet. Pray for them. What Christians do sometimes that, that it's counterproductive. We can talk about people, but we need to be praying for them. And when I say pray, I don't mean pray in a group, right? I can't take your private struggle to my group prayer and say, "Well, I'm praying for him." You know, by his private struggles, y'all. I don't know if y'all knew he was struggling with this, but now you do. You know, that's not what we're talking about. I'm saying you privately go before the Lord and you pray for individuals. God, I'm seeing them struggle with that. I'm seeing he's blowing it over here. He's messing up over there. And I love him. And so I'm praying for him. I'm praying you would strengthen him. You would help him. What if we did that whenever we saw somebody struggling? Right? Because we're asking God to do something God wants to do and they need it. Right, they're a believer, so they want it. They're battling, and so what if we did that for each other? You know, what, what kind of? A, I mean, I think we'd be a healthier group. I think we'd be we bring health to one another. We all were praying for the people that we saw battling, and I'm asking as we read through this today that we not just hear this as a message. You know, oh yeah, Paul, pray for them, blah blah, but that you would really consider where you need prayer and how you need to be praying for the people around you, and how even we need to take it in different. When I see someone struggling. I don't want to kick someone when they're down. Right. I don't want to be the one. There's a believer. Believer messes up. You know, I don't want to be there saying, man, you shouldn't have done that, man. Boom. Kick you one more time. You know, it's like, well, what do we do for somebody? Right. You're struggling. You're battling. People come confessing sin. I don't want to beat you up verbally. Like, Let's pray. Let's cry out to the Lord. God, God needs to intervene. And there is something supernatural about that, guys, when we do that. And James, he said, if you confess your trespass to one another and then pray for one another, he said that you may be healed. The effective fervent prayer of the righteous man avails much. Think about that for a minute. Somebody trespasses. That means they willfully sinned against God, right? But then they confess it to a brother and they pray for him. And God says, I'll heal him. So when you think about healing, typically I need to be healed from illness, from sickness, something that's beyond my control. But God says, when someone's... Sinning against God and they're like, man, I'm probably there in bondage. I can't stop this. I've blown it again. I don't want to do it. I'm not trying to keep it in the dark and hide it. I'm confessing it. I'm bringing it to the light on my own. God says when they confess and you pray, I will touch. And so some people get so good at hiding their sin, they never get victory because you're you're, you're worried about keeping it hidden and never bringing it to the place where God works. God works in the light. Satan will keep you bound up in the dark. And so You bring that thing to the light and let someone pray for you, not talk about you, not bash you. Pray for them. Someone comes confessing sin. This is my conviction. If someone confesses sin to me, I believe the Holy Spirit's already doing a work. That's why they're confessing it. They're uncomfortable keeping it hidden. So now that they've come to me to confess it, my part of the journey is to pray for them. And then I'm looking for the Lord to touch them, to heal them, to help them. And we should we should be available to do that for one another and um, that we would be a healthier church that the people around us would be doing better. And so Paul's first prayer is for strength, that again, God, according to the riches of your glory, that they would be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man, praying strength for them. Verse 17, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I'll stop there. The next one is a little different. So he said, now I'm praying that Christ would dwell in your hearts. If you look at that word dwell up in the, the Greek, it means to settle down and be at home. Right. God is saying, Look, I'm praying that he's praying that Christ will be able to settle down and be at home. For everyone here that's born again, when you get saved, God moves in on the inside and he begins a work that we call sanctification. God begins cleaning up. And when you get saved, the Lord moves in and there'll begin to be new convictions, new desires. There'll be things that your flesh desires, that the spirit of God that lives in you and saying, I don't want that no more. I don't want that anymore. And God will move in and start cleaning up. There's a little booklet. Uh, how many of you guys have seen a little booklet called My Heart, Christ's Home? Anybody seen that? Awesome little book. You can read it in one sitting, um, but it, it's just talking all about this. You know, the Lord just moved in. He's going from room to room, looking at the books that are on the table in here. You're like, oh, let me get that away. You know, now I used to like that book, but now that he's here, and I'm looking at him. with, Oh, man, let me get that out of his face, you know, and then there's a closet back in the way where it stank and they were trying to keep the Lord out of there. And God was like, what is that? I got to get in there and clean that up. And so. There's nothing hidden from his sight. But here's the thing. He's he's praying this for them. God, I'm praying that you would dwell in their hearts. Right. And, and it's maybe you look at someone and you see that, man, they're just they're just kind of back and forth with the Lord. You know, they're, they're, they're allowing things in that you know God isn't pleased with because, you know, the Bible. I know that God doesn't want that for you. I know that that's not what he wants. And you're looking at someone battling. God, I pray that you would be able to dwell at home in their heart. You'd be able to dwell in their hearts richly and whatever it takes. Right. Whatever they need to give up. We need to pray this for ourselves. right? I want my own life to be a place where God can dwell. There are homes that we can go into and we're totally comfortable, right? Uh, maybe you have friends or people that you're comfortable It's Usually the people that you're comfortable with, you can go to their houses and you're comfortable because, you know, you're comfortable with them. They're comfortable with you. You just kick your feet up, whatever. But if you go somewhere where you're not comfortable, don't really know the people, plastic couches. You know, you guys remember those? My my grandma used to have the couch with the plastic covering on it. You know, like don't you mess that couch was brand new for twenty years. You know, it's <laughs> probably still somewhere brand new, not a stain on it. You know, you know, you, you 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 walk a little different. You gotta can we can I sit here? Can we eat, can eat over here? You know, um, and you walk a little different. But Christ, I want to just come be at home. I want things to be comfortable in here. I want to be able to settle down, dwell with you. And so Paul's praying this for them. Um, we know that that's something God wants to do. And so when you see somebody that's a believer and you're saying, God's not, hey, they're just not at peace. I see him battling with this and they, they put it out and they bring it back in. And God, I'm praying you bring that person to a place where you could just dwell, where you could settle down and be at home. And I'm praying that for them. And if you find in your own heart, in your own life, I'm, you're battling with things that you know God is like, man, get that out of here. I don't want that. Then that's what you God, I want you to be able to dwell in my heart. I want you to settle down and be at home here. And so you can't pray that for yourself without being willing to let some stuff go, right? I can't say, I want you to dwell in my house. I want you to settle down and be comfortable in my house, but I got something in here that you can't stand. I'm alerted to cats. If I go to your house and you have a cat, even if I can't see the cat, if the cat used to run in the room where I'm sitting, within about thirty minutes, I'm gonna start sneezing. My throat's gonna be itching. By the hour, I'm gonna be like, <laughs> I'm gonna be breathing weird and itching my eyes. And yeah, I'm gonna have a strong desire to leave your house um, and never come back again. Not even hug you on my way out because you got cat on you. You know, because I can't settle down there. That that if, if it just starts taking over. I don't want my life to be that to the Lord. Where the Lord comes in is like I can't be here. You got all, I, I don't do, I don't dwell among that. That thing is so dark and nasty, I'm out. You know, I want him to be able to dwell, settle down and be at home. He'll never leave you or forsake you, so you're just gonna be at war with the Lord, you know? You're gonna be throwing your cats out the windows and stuff, and you're gonna be going out looking for him. So, you know, we wanna be praying that, God, settle down, dwell, dwell in my heart. That's what Paul is praying for them. Praying that, 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 again, Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And then the next thing he says, that you being rooted and grounded in love, May be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height. And let me stop there. He said, "I'm praying that you guys would be rooted and grounded in love." And I this I was pondering this right because I asked myself the question. You know, if, if I asked you before reading this, what do you think a believer needs to be rooted and grounded in? You know, what what would make a what, what would make a believer just rooted and grounded? I would have said. In the word of God, you know, that's you got to get a believer that's in the word of God, which I don't deny. I don't think it's not true, uh, but it's just not enough because you can be grounded in the word of God. I would say prayer. You need to be praying in the word. That's that's rooted in grounds. You get deep roots if you do those two things, your prayer in the word. But you know what I found? I know some people that know the word well and pray, but they don't have love. I know people like that. I know, but they know the word. I mean, they can go and quote them backwards and forwards. A couple Greek and Hebrew words slapping on you real thick and heavy. No love. God says rooted and grounded in love. Why is that? Love is the application. Right? If you're really in the word and it's coming and taking root in your heart, you're going to be a loving individual. If you're really praying and, and, and having a communication, interaction with the Lord and allowing God to do what he wants to do through these interactions, you're going to become more and more like him who God says, I am love, right? I, that's what I am. Jesus and in first John, John said, look, if, if you don't have love, you don't know God because God is love. If you can't love your brother who you see, and if you, if you can't love him, how can you love God whom you haven't seen? That's what John said. So John said, if you don't have love, you don't know God. That's the evidence that you are not right with God, that you don't have love. And so he says, that we would be rooted in, we'd be rooted and grounded in love. And so question for you, for yourself, does the love of God characterize your life? Not your opinion of you, but would other people's opinion of you be that you're a loving individual? You're a person, you walk in love. Would you characterize yourself? Would you say about yourself, I I think I walk in love. What does it look like to walk in love? First Corinthians 13 is maybe the clearest expression of What agape, with biblical agape love looks like in action. And I'll read a a brief section of it, uh, 1 Corinthians 13, verses 4 through 8. It says, Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. Does not puff up. Does not behave rudely. Does not seek its own. Is not easily provoked. Thinks no evil. Does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. Are you that kind of person to other people? That's all how we're that's that's all about dealing with other people. Does that characterize you? You hope the best. You believe the best about other people. Right. Here's a way to identify even those who you don't love and those who you do love. The people that you love. This is what, this is. This will be true all the time. The people that you really love, you'll oversee, you'll overlook their faults. You know why? Because love does what? It covers a multitude of sins. But I find the people that I really love, they got faults, but I overlook them. I mean, you know, he's human. That's my, but but, but I, I see the good over the flaws because love covers multitude of sins. I forgive them quick to love them. Committed to that, right? But, but you take that same person and remove love and we can critique them to death they the same person. But if I loved you, I'll overlook it. When I don't love you, I'm all over it. I think back to when I was a kid, and I remember, you guys know, I talk about my mom all the time. My mom, I could do no wrong. My mom loved me with that kind of, it was it was a dumb mama love. I mean, I couldn't do no wrong. I could, I could get bad grades at school, and I'll tell my mom, Mom, the reason why my homework grade is so low, not because I'm not doing homework, that teacher hates me. And I would take my homework to her, and she would ball it up and throw it away. <laughs> I would tell my mom stuff like that. My mom, well, you know what? She would be mad at that teacher. I'm like, I know. I can't wait to get out of her class. You know, I'm going to be better next year, mom. You know?
0: Thanks for joining Pastor Bill on The Transforming Word as he teaches through the book of Ephesians. If you're ever or near the Inglewood area, you are more than welcome to join us this weekend for church. We meet at Calvary Inglewood every Sunday and Wednesday, and you can get more information on our website at calvaryenglewood.org. You also can call or text us, too, for more information. Our number is 310-245-4811. Again, that's 310-245-4811. If you're looking for more resources or ways to connect with us, you can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Just look for the links on our website. Again, that is calvaryinglewood.org. As you listen to today's message, we pray that it has not only inspired you in your faith journey, but challenged you in your relationships. The book of Ephesians was written by Paul around the time he was imprisoned in Rome. This is one of the most inspiring things about Paul. Even when he was facing some of the heaviest of trials, he was still focused on the gospel mission. He still urged unity. He wrote of patience and love and encouraged people to be as one, just as God the Father is one with his Spirit and his Son. This may seem like an impossible thing to accomplish, but when you're living in the Spirit and by the Spirit, it's easier to genuinely love those around you. Well, That's all we have time for today, but Pastor Bill will have more to share from the book of Ephesians next time on A Transforming Word.